Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Arkea, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. And before we get started today, I am really excited to let you know that I'm guest hosting tomorrow on Today in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a daily podcast where they take the most significant events in true history. And I'm guest hosting their December 25th episode. On Christmas Day, I'll discuss the investigation into the notorious unsolved murder of Jean Benet Ramsey, the six year old beauty pageant queen who died mysteriously in her home on Christmas Day in 1996. So be sure to follow Today in True Crime. Uh, they're on Spotify. You may be listening to us right now on Spotify as well. And with them, you will never run out of your true crime content again. But with today's episode, we're going to speak about haunted holidays. The holidays are a time to gather your loved ones close, but you can also gather them close with scary ghost stories to remember the past look into the future, and reflect on the gift that is the present. First, we will be haunted by mysterious coins on Christmas. Next, in the holiday of now, a gorgeous woman receives an unexpected gift. Then, we look to the future where a voice cries out to the present. Finally, we'll relive a tragic past life during the Winter War. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Silent Night, Scary Night. It was the first holiday without Uncle Reuben. The table where my granny, mother, and I sat for Christmas Eve dinner felt incomplete without him. My mother placed his settings and poured hot cocoa into his favorite mug. It felt like things would never be the same. He was such a big part of the family. Looking down at the cup, my eyes welled with tears. His cheerful laughter echoed in my memory and I could remember clearly the jingling sound of his pockets. They were always filled with coins. 
You could hear them when he stood up from the table or wandered around the halls. Around the house, you could find little piles where he'd leave change he'd find on his walks. As my mother and I hung the stockings for the first time without Uncle Reuben, I thought about how every Christmas he'd fill them with his most prized coins. Santa left something extra, he'd say, but we knew it was him filling them while we slept on Christmas Eve. This year would likely be the last in our home. Granny and mom weren't able to meet the mortgage payments and the bank was about to take the house. First Uncle Reuben, and now the place I'd spent my whole life in. Granny fell asleep watching A Christmas Carol before finishing her hot cocoa. As my mom got ready to leave for her night shift at the hospital, I took their mugs into the kitchen. When I went to grab the one we left out for Reuben, I was surprised to find it empty. Curious, I asked my mother if she had drank it. Guess Uncle Reuben didn't want to miss Christmas, she laughed. Under the festive lights that lined my window, snow fell quietly outside as I lay awake in my bed. It was way past my bedtime, but I found it hard to sleep. That's when I heard the jingle. It couldn't be, could it? Was I finally going to catch a glimpse of Santa? Shivering in my pajamas, I got out of bed. I felt something cold under my feet, and much to my surprise, it was a coin. The hallway was dark, but it looked like someone was walking around the house as shadows formed around the lit Christmas tree. Suddenly, there was a crash coming from the rear of the house and the sound of the back door opening. Gasping, I raced to Granny's room as she opened the door just enough to let me in. Immediately, we called the police and huddled together to wait. The jingling passed by the door again. Granny handed me a pair of slippers and opened her bedroom window. We would make a run for it. Once on the ground, we made our way around the back of the house to get to the car. Granny motioned for me to go ahead, but as I crossed the driveway, the burglar saw me. Hey, he yelled, and that's when a man's shadow appeared as if from nowhere. Get out. He boomed at the intruder. The voice shook the house and the burglar jumped as if he'd seen a ghost. He broke into a run toward Granny and me. With a snap, I pulled the hanging Christmas lights down from the doorway. The burglar tripped over the string of lights. With a thud, he landed in the snow, covered in twinkling lights as a police car approached. When they took him in, he was raving about being paid to scare us out of the house. After my mom got home and gave her statement to the cops, we went back inside. That's when I noticed a big pile of very shiny gold coins sitting on Uncle Reuben's place at the table. A shadow moved toward the living room away from it with the familiar sound of change following it. Merry Christmas, I called out as that jingle faded away. In the end, we didn't lose the house thanks to Uncle Reuben's Christmas surprise. To this day, I still find gleaming coins around the house whenever we miss him most. It's his way of letting us know He's still looking after us. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. On the 13th day of Christmas, a true love gave to she a last-minute gift of cursed antiquity. In this story, submitted by Lily. Ian shouldn't have waited until the last minute to do holiday shopping. His girlfriend Mariah insisted he not get her anything too techy or expensive, that just spending Christmas with him would be enough, that are a gift from the heart. And it would have been enough had her brother not let it slip that she was planning a surprise New Year's vacation for the both of them. Now, Ian was down to the wire, so he scoured through the vintage shops in South Congress, an eclectic strip of shops in Austin, Texas. Wherever you'd wander, you'd find cool art, creatively curated clothes, and other weird things. Perfect to find something unique and personal for Mariah. The shine of earrings and necklaces caught his eye, but thinking that too cliché to buy, he walked past. But then... A glimmer of bronze caught his eye, and as if magnetized, his gaze locked into a large, ornate mirror on top of a jewelry showcase. He asked the vendor how much for it, before he even realized he was going to ask. The vendor told him that it wasn't for sale. It was a found piece. It had been discarded on the side of the road. After polishing it up, its bronze vines along the framework made it a perfect upcycle to display necklaces on. Insistent, Ian surprised himself by charming the shopkeeper, telling him of Mariah and how he wanted to get her something special, something from the heart. He'd pay whatever they wanted for it, he said. In the spirit of the season, the vendor relented. While removing the necklaces adorning it for display, they said, just pay it forward, a heart for a heart. A heart for a heart, Ian repeated, and arranged the delivery of the old ornate mirror to their home. When Mariah woke on Christmas morning, she walked alone out to the hall to find the bronze-framed mirror hung over her desk dresser. Approaching it in awe, she marveled over the detailed work on the frame. Glancing over her own reflection, a shadowy figure with blazing amber eyes appeared behind her. Ian? She asked, turning around quickly, but no one was there. Looking back into the mirror, she slowly smiled, angling her head from side to side. Her face glowed within it. She loved the way she looked. The mirror was very flattering and didn't catch harsh lighting. As she fluffed out her hair and did a quick pose, she didn't notice the claw creeping over her shoulder in the reflection. She pursed her lips and brushed her shoulder-length hair back over her shoulder. Then she saw it, a clawed hand. Gasping, she spun around, instinctively reaching up, brushing her hands over her skin. Nothing was there. Disquieted, she stopped, looking back into the mirror. Behind her, looking at her, 
stood a demon. Transfixed with horror, she watched as the demon rubbed his clawed hand along her shoulder. Her scream split the air, and she fell back, crawling away from the mirror. Ian ran in, wrapping her in his arms, asking what had happened. Was she all right? Shaken, Mariah scrambled around, looking for the figure. I just... Do, do you see it? Where is it? She looked in the mirror with Ian. Nobody was there but the two of them. See what? He started looking around. The, the, I, I mean, I thought I saw something, something in the mirror. It was so strange. I, Mariah shook her head. I, never mind. I must have been sleepwalking, I guess. It was nightmarish. I could feel something in the mirror. It wanted me. Well, I want you. Maybe you thought you saw me? Ian joked lightly, then said seriously, I'm sorry you found it while half asleep in the dark. I wanted to surprise you. As soon as I saw it, my heart knew that you had to have it. Not wanting to disappoint him, Mariah replied carefully, Ian, it's gorgeous, but you really didn't have to. She touched the bronze vines that were woven along the frame, nestling the mirror within it. Don't worry, I didn't break the bank, he said. It's a found vintage piece that spoke to me. I hope you like it. I love the trip you planned for us, and I thought that this would be something else we could enjoy together. He put his hands on her shoulders and looked into the mirror with her. Mariah's uneasy smile melted into a genuine one as she was nestled warmly within Ian's arms. You look so perfect in it, he whispered. And she did. Mariah would spend hours brushing her hair in the mirror, looking upon her reflection in a daze. Enamored with her reflection in a haunting way sometimes, Ian would walk by and feel like he was almost intruding. This behavior was unlike her. As their trip grew closer, Ian started to question if the mirror was somehow having a bad effect on her. The days till their New Year's getaway just couldn't come soon enough, he thought. They hadn't really even left the house since Christmas. On the night before the trip, he decided to confront her about it. Their place was almost preternaturally quiet as he opened the door into the hall. Mariah stood there, shaking, with her back to him in front of her desk dresser, looking up into the mirror. Ian looked up and saw a hulking, demonic beast grasping her reflection in the mirror. As he watched, the horned beast latched onto Mariah's neck with its fangs, sucking and draining her. Let go of her, he shouted, swinging the door wide open. Ian rushed past her to yank the mirror from the wall. As he reached out to grab the frame, the demon reached through the mirror, wrapping its scaly, clawed hands around Ian's neck. Momentarily free from the demon, Mariah snapped out of its thrall and jumped back. Clutching her neck in horror, she began recalling all of the nights she had gone to bed exhausted, then gotten up restless with only the desire to sit at her dresser. The demon within the mirror had been calling her, feeding off of her. That first night when it had appeared behind her, that hadn't been a dream. The monster was real. 
Ian, no, she shouted. The demon's body contorted, angling out grotesquely through the reflective surface. Balefully eyeing Mariah, it cackled. This mirror binds you to me. A heart for a heart, a soul for a soul, forever bound with mine. Its hands, still wrapped around Ian's neck, tightened. Ian's eyes rolled up into his head as he lost consciousness. Filled with horror and a sudden rage, Mariah swung her brush, cracking the mirror, and the demon's face and arm began to form lines like a thin shell coming apart. Foolish girl, the demon said in a breaking voice. Ian's body dropped to the ground. Swinging the brush again, Mariah shouted, I don't belong to you, as it made contact with the mirror, shattering it in the demon's mind. Dropping down next to Ian, Mariah was relieved to see that he was still breathing. When Ian came to, he found Mariah about to stomp on the last of the mirror's pieces with her winter boots. Shaken, Ian interrupted her, asking, Did that really just happen? Mariah rushed to him, saying, It's gone, and we're not staying, just in case it isn't. Nodding, Ian got up and hugged her tightly, grabbing their bags by the door, Neither of them noticed the trail of mist that eased its way across the floor from that last forgotten mirror piece and into Mariah's toiletry bag. Outside, Ian began to apologize. Mariah stopped him, saying, We're safe. It's over. And now all I want for Christmas is to get away from here. Far from here with you. Thank you so much for your story, Lily. I guess the main thing that I think about with this is, I wonder if any of our listeners would actually keep a mirror that you find on the street. I am going to be completely honest and say that I most likely would, and then I might be in the same exact predicament that Mariah finds herself into with this demonic stalker that is creeping into the mirrors around her. Well, maybe I'll learn from this story myself and just sometimes leave what you find on the side of the road. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. story inspired by Seth. The hustle for success is something we all can relate to, but this Christmas we find out that all work and no play can waste your life away. The voicemail notification buzzed, alerting Trey that he had a message as he sipped his coffee. Working late into the night, he glanced at his phone. It was a missed call from his father. His family, no doubt checking in, if he called back, he knew he was in for questions from his aunts about, well, why he wasn't able to make the family get together for yet another year. It had been three years running that he had missed it at this point. But it was curious that the call came from his father's phone. 
Pops knew he was a busy man, just like he was when he put two boys through college consecutively. Now Trey was making the family proud, and a big Chicago lawyer who had had to put in extra time for a big case. His father wouldn't call to hassle him, so he decided to play the voicemail. You have one voice message, it said. Then the sound of interference and a desperate heaving sound, coughing into the phone that he recognized as his father's. It sounded like he was struggling to catch his breath. An exasperated wheeze happened. There was crying and shuffling, and a voice was finally telling him, Please, home. Come back. You have home. Shaken, Trey listened to the details to see if he'd just missed the call and realized that the call was dated a year in the future. Figuring it was a glitch, he dialed back, waiting for his father to pick up. Ring after ring, and then straight to voicemail. He didn't leave a voicemail. He hung up and called his brother, Anton, who was with the family, but then that went straight to voicemail. Trey texted his brother, Is Dad okay? Where are you? I can't get through to anyone. Concern began sinking in, and he checked social media for posts from the family. There was a recent picture of everyone gathered around for dinner, with a postscript noting his absence. Just missing Trey, who was here in spirit, but once again making big moves at his law firm. The phone vibrated again. Trey anxiously opened the text message from his brother, and it read, We're at midnight mass. We miss you here. Dad's fine. But you know, maybe your imagining things is just guilt misplaced. You know you should be here this year. So Trey chalked it up to an accidental dial. Still, the date on the voicemail gave him an odd feeling even when he settled into sleep. Closing his eyes, he could still hear the haggard breathing of his father in the message. After a few restless hours, he finally passed out. In the morning, he woke up to a call from his father. He sounded well. He caught Trey up on how their home team was doing during the Christmas game. Self-conscious, Trey apologized for missing yet another holiday. He promised to be better about it next year. But then he did promise that every year. As he poured another cup of coffee, his father told him that even though he couldn't be there, they were all so proud of him, and the work that he does helps the family. It would all pay off soon enough. Trey steadied himself and considered closing his computer, catching the next flight out, and then breathed and said, I'll be there next year, he promised his father. The following year, Trey did make it home for Christmas, but that was because his father was not doing well. He was holding on, barely holding on. Trey had been held up with work, but when the call from his family came, his career suddenly didn't matter as much, and he made sure to come home. The plane ride and drive to the hospital was a blur as his brother drove him. Trey didn't pay much attention to the surroundings. He was racked with regret for not spending any of the four previous years with his family, and he felt emotions begin to bubble up inside. Running down the hospital hall, their mother waved to them frantically. The brothers rushed into their father's hospital room, and it was as if his father was just waiting. 
for his family to become complete. Trey, asking for forgiveness, held his father's hands. He could see the love in his eyes as he said goodbye. As his father passed on, struggling to breathe, Trey noticed his father's phone beside him. It had dialed his number and had gone to voicemail. Struggling through his emotions, Trey realized, and the pieces fell into place. The voice that he had heard in that voicemail, that had been his voice. That voicemail that had been dated a year in the future was now. Taking this moment, he cried into the phone, trying to reach his past self to change this future. Please come home. Come back. You have to go home. And the phone clicked off. Thank you so much for this tale that you've sent us, Seth. You know, it makes me realize that I tend to work a lot during the holidays myself, and I could definitely make more of an effort to go back and see my family. Because like Trey has realized in this story, we never know. We might not get that voicemail from ourselves in the future, and even if we do, just like Trey, we might not pay attention to it. They say traveling helps you discover your truth. In this haunting story inspired by Elizabeth, we find you could also discover the truth of a past you. Leaving for Russia was a relief. Finally, I'd be able to trace my genealogy for a school thesis. It had been something I was interested in for years, and now I'd get more answers from my family's ancestral home. But being on a plane for over 10 hours left me drained and homesick. I'd never traveled abroad like this from New York before. And to make matters worse, the last leg of my flight was fraught with nightmares. The turbulence of the plane in my dreams echoed air raids buzzing above me in a place I'd never seen before. There was a tool set, I remember, like a medic's box and blood so much blood, but it wasn't mine. When I woke up, the woman next to me spoke to me in Russian with concern. Sorry, I don't speak Russian, I told her. Confused, she responded in English. My child, you spoke in Russian in your sleep. You spoke of bloodshed. You spoke of Russian history, of things you're too young to know about. Shaken, I explained to her what I saw in my dreams, and a look of understanding crossed her face. She said I had been experiencing memories from a past life. From her work as a medium, she learned that these memories would get stronger as you reached the age you had died in a past life. She continued to say, if the unfinished business of that past life remained unresolved in this one, there was a possibility that you would meet a similar death. Before we went our separate ways, she gifted me with a black onyx stone for protection and wished me peace. Shaken, I wandered around the snow in the field of Mars, a park in St. Petersburg. I felt sudden vertigo among the monuments from these various wars. The world shook like the turbulence on the plain. When I came to, I was on a cot in a tent. On the other side of the canvas wall, I could hear wailing and cries. 
the sounds of explosions off in the distance. I thought of my husband, lost at war. There were letters by my bedside with the date, November 29, 1939. One letter held a promise from my husband that we would find one another, even though the Soviets were invading Finland. My vision vibrated and blurred, and the cot I was sitting on shook, turning metal all of a sudden. Then I was back, sitting on a metal park bench in the modern day, with my cell phone by my side, jolted by this revelation about this view into a past life, my past life. I looked down at my cell phone and saw a text from the foreign exchange group leader. They asked me, where was I? I let them know I was on my way to a historic hospital nearby. I could feel it in my bones that I needed to go there, that I was drawing closer to the answers that I needed. Making my way to the hospital was surreal. I rarely looked at my map app, but I knew exactly how to get there. And when I arrived, my body got chills. The nurse who was assigned to show me around and look for records let me know that the hospital had been around since 1930. He handed me a file that I had previously requested from them via email. It was a file on a distant family member, Elisa, who had worked in this hospital. As the nurse started showing me around, I actually began to lead him on the tour. I remarked to the nurse that some of the rooms looked differently than they should look. Surprised and a little delighted, the nurse mentioned that parts of the hospital had been reconstructed shortly after the end of the Winter War in 1940, when Leningrad became a part of St. Petersburg. Looking at a remembrance plaque outside the hospital, the date on it gave me chills. It was the anniversary of one of the heaviest bombings of Leningrad in the Winter War of 1939. Clutching onto the marble, my world shook as my body suddenly remembered my death. This groundswell came over me again. I felt breathless and was injured, yet running to help the wounded. And then a fire the burning flesh smell and searing pain racing across my skin, then numbness. An incendiary bomb fell on the hospital, making it crumble over countless others and myself. I snapped back to the present, feeling like my skin was still on fire, feeling the crushing weight of the hospital around me. It was as if I was losing my mind and sense of self. Was I Elisa? Was I a medic in the trenches? Was I her? Helping the wounded and dying in the bunkers? We were no match for the Red Army, and in my mind, I could see my husband in Finnish military regalia and feel the pain of not being able to find him, and I promised him that I would. But I had also promised to never desert my medical post, both of us could not flee our people and we died with them and not with each other. The deja vu clutching at my chest left me hollow. Attempting to go back to the monuments at the park to read names, I wandered, looking up at the street signs, watching as the letters faded from what I knew I was reading in front of me into the names that they used to be in my past life, 
The crowd in the present bumped my shoulder and suddenly I was surrounded in the past by grim men, the Red Army, and they stampeded past me. Hoisting their weapons and launching grenades, they exploded and I tumbled down a slippery snow slope past them screaming, the visions overtaking me. I'm covered in blood, my hands gushing red and burning. A man shakes me as I lay screaming and I'm back into the present. My eyes come into focus and then I really look at him. He looked just like my husband. Elisa's husband. He looks at me and he says in a Finnish accent, I know you. Do you know me? Have you gotten the nightmares too? They led me here. This is where I died. It's you. I found you. I replied in shock at what the universe had conspired. Not a road to death, as was foretold, but a new opportunity. As the snow fell on the square back in the Mars Garden, we realized we could start over in a new life, together, if we wanted. I thought back to the advice the psychic had given me before. Had I done it? Had I broken the cycle of my past life? That was the last thought I had before we both heard the sirens. Elizabeth, thank you for sharing this past life revelation that you had when you traveled to Russia with us. I don't know if a lot of our viewers um, believe in past lives out there, but I would recommend seeking spiritual help to remember memories from them just in case. None of us would want to be trapped in a cycle that we didn't have enough information about. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sabina Graves and Marquia McCarty. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.